Hello, welcome to episode 20 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Ren Jackson. This week we sat down with Dustin Sinos. I'm informed that that is the correct pronunciation. You did good. I did, yes. <laughs> uh, he's the lead, well, he was the lead designer at Medium. Now he's heading on to some, some other things. He also spent some time engineering at Disney doing flash work, which is insane. He's a very nice Canadian boy. Yeah, we spent a lot of time digging into his backstory because he's been all over the place in design and engineering, and it's really fascinating. Uh, if you have any thoughts or feedback or suggestions or just want to say hi, we are on Twitter. Follow us at, at @designdetailsfm. That's our handle. Uh, we love hearing from people just with ideas. Or yeah, you can just talk to us. You don't have to follow us. Yeah, you can just eh. just chat. Brian talks on it too much, so don't don't follow that. Yeah, I might reply to you but from, also do. from another account. Um, anyways, uh, before we get into this episode, wanted to also thank our longtime favorite sponsor, IconFinder.com. IconFinder is the largest source of premium vector icons on the web. They are racking up the icons in their library. They did a really great post on icons for Apple Watch recently, which I think is last week. Really good. Yeah. Really, I, really good. Yeah. Uh, they're putting out not only great content, but also over 500,000 icons in their library that you can use in all of your design projects, uh, engineering projects, whatever it may be. Uh, they have a really, really beautiful, simple UI. You just search for any icon you might need, and they're going to give you results in every file format, every icon style. Uh, so you can grab SVGs and resize them and have them work on the web or work in uh, or you any, can just get regular file project. types and not resize them and have them work <laughs> directly out of the can. Yeah, it's easy. Icon Finder is just a can. Just a can of icons. A can of icons. Icons. <laughs> nice. Uh, so check them out. Iconfinder.com. And if you use the promo code ROBOT, you're going to get 50% off your first month of Icon Finder Pro, which is their premium subscription service that gives you more access to more icons. And with that, let's get into episode 20 with Dustin Sinos. You moved from the engineering side to design. I did. That's I, like the opposite of what you hear a lot. I actually did design. Actually, I went engineering, design, engineering, back to design. I kind of like switched back and forth. So That's crazy. Yeah. I went to art school and then became a software <laughs> engineer and then started designing again. Man. So how did that transition work? Like maybe we can start at Disney uh, and then I'm curious how you ended up at Medium so early on. Totally. So I joined the transition from Disney to Medium. Yeah, or even what you're doing at Disney. Sounds cool. We could yeah. just talk about Disney the entire time. And <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, Disney was a crazy company to work for. So I joined a company called Club Penguin, which is a kids. Yes, I know Club yes, Penguin. You know Club Penguin. <laughs> yes, it was fun. <laughs> Brian's like, yeah, I lived there. <laughs> I still play, actually. I'm just kidding. That's awesome. <laughs> you're like, yeah, dude, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it It was a rad company. So I joined pre-Disney there. And I was actually hired to do design work on their newspaper. They have like a monthly or weekly newspaper that goes out that at that time had like, I think a circulation of like 7 million, which was crazy. And I was doing typesetting on it. So I would spend my day like doing typesetting and layout on a virtual newspaper, which was fun. And I learned a lot about typography there from a fellow named Clint. He taught me a lot. And then I 
had applied for a software engineering job there and didn't get a call back. So then I applied for a design job and got the design job and then explained to them that I could do engineering and then became an engineer, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Sneaky, man. I got sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> is that primarily web engineering? I was doing flash engineering. So I okay. was heading up the flash engineering team there, which was fun. Crazy. Dude, yeah. Flash. Flash. I know. Whoa. Crazy days. Well, actually, now I'm curious to back up. How did you get into engineering originally? I was always like technical growing up. I always like liked motorcycles and working on cars and all that kind of stuff and got into engineering through, I guess through art and then just like tinkering in like windows, like trying to find like how game characters are skinned and all that kind of stuff. And then seeing that you can like actually program games and just like started playing with it at late at night with my buddies, which was fun. That's awesome. That was in high school. Or? That was in high school. Wow. And then, uh, did you, get a formal education CS degree or what'd you do after that? So I tried to not, I tried to skip the whole school thing and just get work, but my parents wanted me to go to school, which makes a lot of sense. So I took the shortest amount of school I possibly could. So I went to school for two years doing 3d animation, which is okay. a ton of fun and awesome. like wow. classical animation as well and art history and like life drawing and did that for two years. And then actually didn't even do my final semester. I got a job and asked if they would just graduate me, and they did, which was rad. What? So, That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Super fun. Yeah. Uh, what was that job? I started working at um, the school district, of all things. I was doing flash apps to help kids learn calculus, which was pretty fun. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know much about calculus, but I had teachers to work with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where to go. Okay, yeah. and how long did you do that for? I did that for like seven months. It was like a contract. Okay, yep. so that was engineering, and then you had a design job after that. Yep, and then I worked at a company up in Kelowna, Canada called Acromedia, not Macromedia, but Acromedia, and I was a... Uh, <laughs> that must, are you like used to saying that exact yeah, phrase? It was, it was rehearsed, yeah. yeah. People were like, you work at Macromedia? Because that was back in the day when Macromedia still existed. When it was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, nah, it's Acromedia minus the M. I was a designer there, so I was hired as a designer, and then... Um, we got a big flash project and the engineering team there were all C++ engineers and they got a flash project and they're like, that's not programming. Who wants to do it? And I was like, I'll try it. And that's like kind of my first forte into like actual engineering. And then when the engineers saw what I was doing, they're like, oh shit, this is actually like, you're actually writing code, aren't you? I was like, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> trying I'm my trying best, my best <laughs> to do it. So that's kind of like how I got actually into engineering. Okay. And how long were you there? I was there for just about three years. Okay. Then we're caught up to meet uh, Disney. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And then I was at Disney for about two and a half years, three years. And you were doing engineering there as well? I was doing, I started for like six months doing design and did the rest as engineering. Okay. And yeah. that was all flash engineering? All flash, 100% flash. And that, that comes right after medium. Up until medium, you're doing flash engineering. I then took a year and a half off. Okay. Yeah. And taught myself like Objective C, launched nice. Little Ipsum, which was fun to work oh, yeah, on. Yeah. 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 And Go did a bunch of like client work. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Wow. I feel so unaccomplished now. So lots of people ask me, and by lots of people, I mean like a couple of people (laughs) ask, uh, should designers code? I think you might have a good perspective. Yeah. So I think it depends. It depends at the company you're at, what you're doing and who you are. So at Medium, most of the designers I initially hired all could write code. And I did that because I was familiar with that way of working. When I first joined Medium, I'd skip Photoshop and just often just do the 
mock-up in html because it was quicker but as the team grows we're hiring like people that are like incredibly good at like visual design or ux and they don't need to code because there's people to support them to do code and especially now with all the prototyping tools that are coming out like the only reason i got into like designing with code is because it took too long to mock it up in photoshop go to the website and do the whole same thing again but now that you can just do it in flinto or framer or any of these things it's just so much quicker to skip it what do you think about like say framer where like you're still learning javascript like are you kind of maybe stray away from that i think so i don't i i i'm of a few minds of that because in one way if we could get everything we wanted out of a prototype prototyping tool, we'd be writing JavaScript in a web browser yeah, or Objective-C. That is literally a browser, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> you're, like, you're no longer a prototyping tool. So These people are just building browsers with more, access- more accessible APIs. Exactly. Totally. And I don't think that's the best way because you already need to have so much like knowledge about how to do prototyping. And that's kind of the same, or how to do coding. That's kind of the same with framers. Like you kind of already need to understand JavaScript or the syntax or learn it to actually use Framer, whereas um, simpler ones like Balsamic even, like you don't need to know any code. So if you know the code, like by all means use Framer if it's quicker for you. I Like really just use whatever tool is possible. Yeah, that, that question, every time I see it on Designer News, which is where it pops up every single week, like half the answers are, yes, they should learn how to code, or no, they should just like specialize. But really the answer seems to be, just do what you need to do to do your work and call it good. Totally. Like, yeah. It, it seems to be like more difficult than that. Right. And it seems to be like the earlier you are at a company, you have to do everything. It's going to be better more. if you can just do it in the browser, right? Totally. And you, like back in the day when, you know, you had to use nine slicing for CSS borders and all that kind of stuff, it was like a nightmare. <laughs> nine mm-hmm. patches. Oh God. You remember that stuff? Like it was a nightmare. You still do it in Android. Do you really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I haven't yeah. done any Android design yet. Um, like table cells or nine patches. It's crazy. For all the stretching yep. stuff, I guess, because they have so many screen sizes. It's insane. Really? Yeah. What? I had never done a nine patch until I started working on Android stuff. And that was like coming right up to material design. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Back then, if you didn't know how to code and you were designing stuff, you could design yourself into like hours of useless work. Like I remember I once got a mock-up that was, and this is like IE6. So it was a table on a wood background with drop shadows that needed to scale and i'm like yo i can't like put drop shadows on a repeating pattern that scales because like css can't do that (laughs) and like if the designer knew how to code then they would have not designed it that way right but nowadays it's like it's almost kind of nice to not know how to code because you don't limit yourself to what's possible to being built which is kind of cool too i feel like that's the exact opposite of how i've kind of grown is i i've learned more and more the constraints of a platform and I build for those constraints yep. instead of every time you meet an iOS developer, they're like, I'll build you whatever you want. Right. But that's not really the answer. You're going to end up having to like compromise in an, in an, a vacuum where you have unlimited time. It's rad to build whatever you want, but it's also pretty rad to be like, Oh, we can just customize like a UI table view and not write our own component from yeah. scratch because you wanted it to look slightly different. And when, when your boss is like, Oh, Hey, can you make this like a, a faded nav bar and be like, yeah, that's the default. I just <laughs> didn't draw it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I had that conversation today. Yeah, you got to Medium. How did that happen? Funny story. I have always been a huge fan of Ev's work. I was like very, very early on at Twitter. I was like 
user like 5,000 or something like that. I just joined it super early when I would get text messages to my Motorola Razor, and that's how Were I you used Twitter. at Dustin from the get-go, or did you have to recover that? So I... I was into underscores at the time, so mm. I registered underscore DS as my Twitter handle. And then when I joined Medium, Dustin DS gave me at Dustin. He had it, and he was using it to like privately tweet music suggestions to his friends. So he offered it to me, and I was like, yes, I, I would love that. Yeah. That's great. Good deal. Yeah. Super good deal. Valuable property now. It was worth the move to America for that, <laughs> for that Twitter <laughs> handle. <laughs> yeah, I so I was... Uh, wrapping up about a year and a half of freelance work and I would work like three days a week on client work and then work two days a week on my own stuff and just like teaching myself is kind of how I had set it up and in doing that you kind of realize that you can do much more with other people and it's like really fun to collaborate more so and I'd always wanted to move to San Francisco and like just the Bay Area in general so I started looking at work in San Francisco and I was here interviewing at another company and got an email from Ev um, just see, seeing if I'd want to chat with him because he like had tweeted like a couple weeks earlier like, hey, starting up Obvious again, like sign up here or like apply for jobs on the website. And uh, I just applied on the website. And That's I just, crazy. I just filled what? it out. And yeah. that got you an email from Ev to come yeah. in. Yeah. So I, the form was kind of broken surprisingly enough and it like had a designer and you had to do a drop down if you're a designer or a developer and I like stared at that drop down for so long because it wasn't like check boxes it was like a radio select and oh, i was no. like oh god uh and i picked designer because i figured there's more engineers here and i had to submit the form through like the console because the form was broken so i think i like got in early because no like it didn't actually work or they broke it on purpose or they broke Fun it hack. on purpose yeah <laughs> that's probably smart except might weed out designers it's true (laughs) yeah and then i went and had coffee with ev and met the rest of the obvious team at that point and then can i ask how was would you say it was an obvious fit it was a very obvious fit it just felt right (laughs) wow that was so good you can tell like when he's been storing those up for a while (laughs) look at that smug grin um i'm i'm curious how he pitched medium to you at the very beginning Oh, that's an interesting question. So when I joined Obvious, Medium was not a thing yet. Oh, oh. Yeah. So I for the first like eight or so months, I think there's probably a total of 10 or like 11 of us at the Obvious Corp. And we would often have like brainstorms and think up of product ideas and then break into little groups and just build them. So for the first nine months, we built like probably six or seven different things ranging from like full native iPhone apps to other websites to like all kinds of crazy stuff and ev has always had his mind in the publishing world so he had like a hint of some ideas about like a new way to publish and he kept like seeding that into conversations and then a small group of us broke out and like built v1 of medium internally and it was one of like four products we were building and it seemed like it had legs. So then we like moved the whole company to work on it. Wow. Were any of the other projects you're working taking off or was this kind of just the first one that it was, we had one called, I think we wrote about it on medium called little standy, which was a iPhone app or an iPad app that would sit on your desk at work and give you like ambient awareness of people at work or like what's going on at work. And it would like, we all had Fitbits, so it would track all of our Fitbits and show you, like, if you're above the average at the company or below the average <laughs> at the company for the day. And there was, like, 
show your next meeting invite coming up and it had like a one line wiki that anyone could adjust and it would like only show one at a time so you could like <laughs> post lunch stuff or whatever on there it sounds like a stand-up plus standings is yeah. that the it, it was just it was like exactly it was like just a fun Anything little thing says stand in the name yeah it's <laughs> fair game yeah <laughs> and it, it was pretty fun we were using it internally and it seemed like it definitely i shouldn't say definitely it could have we could have actually made it a product and seen if it take took off but it could not it wasn't big enough it wasn't a big enough challenge or a big enough space to like really be intriguing to us so we like shut that one down so then you guys came up with medium yep. that was sort of maybe ev's brainchild yep how did you even get started like what was the problem you were solving so we were very quickly thinking that i'm trying to think back now like three and a bit years ago we were thinking that giving people a equal playing field to share thoughts that could be of a longer form than uh like on twitter or easier to set up than wordpress and like gave your content more value on the screen than typical blogging platforms back then could be a really interesting thing. And we started using it internally an awful lot. And as soon as we like, it's where we like tell stories or write down feature specs, or we just started using it right away. And it started like we were writing about the product that we were building inside of the product. As soon as we noticed it had legs like that, we just were like, Oh, we got to build this thing for real now. So, so as you were the first designer then? I was the first designer hired there, yeah. And it looked, the very first version of Medium was like, I'm like a huge type nerd, and I just, I most of my designs are like black and white. So the mm-hmm. first version of Medium was literally like black text on a white page with no forms. And it was just like, that's where we started, which was I fun. love that. Yeah. Well, like, things have changed, but then not a whole lot's changed. Yeah. yeah. No, it's starting out right. It's type driven instead of form driven. Like, a lot of things are built for the developers who make them, it seems. Yep. Which is not the right way to do it. Totally. And really early on, uh, I, my coworker, Jason Sturman, said, like, well, what if just what you type looks exactly like what it's published like? And I was doing front end engineering and I was like, I'm just going to turn on content editable on everything and just yeah. like store <laughs> whatever that puts in the database and yeah. see what happens. And that's what we did. There's no point in doing a separate preview window and just no. do the whole thing. Yeah, totally. And makes like, sense. content editable, like, was fairly new at that time and was like really easy to test because you could literally just turn it on on modern mm-hmm. browsers and it worked it didn't support bold and all that sort of stuff but it like very quickly proved the point that it's like it felt very different just writing on a blank piece of paper rather than like you're saying like writing in like forms that developers put on a page yeah um one of the things i've i've been using a lot is your typography posts uh especially the character replacement one how did you like develop that long thing? Like it would have taken me forever to figure out all of those character combinations. Wait, explain with, this one without like, a guide. The F and the I, maybe explain what you're talking about. So two dashes in a row followed by spaces is a certain combination as compared to uh, no spaces and hair spaces. And there's like all these crazy combinations of characters. And they're like, no, no, no. I think you mean this. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So a lot of those are just like we're standing on the shoulders of like type people from like the 1500s okay. where they're like this is what an m dash is and this is when yeah. you use it and i think that kind of got distilled out of our culture because of typewriters like you don't have all of this nice like typesetting features mm-hmm. when you're typing on a typewriter or early internet so a lot of that was just like referring back to like style guides and like just being like why why is there an m dash and n dash and a hyphen like what is the usage of these three things 
and like noticing like how people who know the proper usage of them typically don't even know how to type it in. So they'll mm-hmm. do two normal hyphens rather yeah. than an M dash. It's like, well, we can detect that and just switch it out for them. Yeah. It's, it's all like groups of characters. So it's like, if it's a space, then a dash, dash and a space, or if it's a number and then a dash and then a space. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, Oh, I've, I've been using those a lot lately. <laughs> okay. Well I like, I love it and it's makes everything great to read. Like, cause I think some, especially designers and people on the web will notice it. But how did you make that case to like put all that energy into those efforts for such seemingly small things? Like how did you make that? Did the developers care? Yes. So that's awesome. We hired at medium, like the most incredible group of engineers and designers. Like I've ever had the chance to work with where like, I would always, I like for a long time, I had the mindset that we hired a lot of product-minded engineers. But I think what the difference is, we actually just created a culture that let anyone voice their opinions. Because I think all engineers like have product opinions. I just don't think they have like they don't maybe don't feel comfortable or they're not given the space to do it at work. So it was totally fair for us to be like, "Yo, this is like off by one pixel," and they'd be like, "Oh, sorry, like why is it off? Like what do you mean it should be like right gutter aligned?" And like we'd teach them type stuff and they'd teach us engineering stuff it was just like a culture of like just wanting the craft to be really really high Mm -hmm. and there was no like almost no pushback about being like well we need to focus more on design because ev is a very design-minded person so he completely understood like that design is like what would set us apart in a lot of cases because our engineering is like absolutely fantastic but the average person doesn't notice it they only notice it if it's not working and i think that's shows how good our engineering team is because it's really really complicated and it looks really simple which is awesome it's incredible the whole like all of medium how would you describe the aesthetic of medium today that's a good question so i would say it's it's very much driven by the content so when we were so we very early on we actually looked around like themes so you could like theme your posts and like pick a different theme and we designed like well, this theme would be cool if it was like a surf spot and it looked like a surf spot. And then this one looked like paper and it was like out of a notebook. And as soon as you do that, you are directing people's content to fit into like this little like template that you've made. And that template gets stale really, really quickly. Like I had one that looked like an old piece of paper with like coffee stains on it. But every time you'd go to the page, the coffee stains were in the same place. So it like instantly loses its like uniqueness. So the aesthetic of medium is very much like get out of the way and let the content shape the page and i think by doing that everyone's posts look unique and interesting because you don't even notice that medium is there it's their words it's their images that they're using and that's actually like shaping what it looks like and to further that we chose like very like contact agnostic typefaces like they're not super like super casual or super serious they're like very agnostic so they Mm -hmm. should be able to work in like as broad as cases as possible so the aesthetic is like, get out of the way. Don't be there. Yeah. They're very easy to look at, but they don't shout out like what they are. Totally. They're like very undesigned in a way. These are all the decisions that I feel like must have taken forever. And like now you're able to just like say, this is this is how it ended up. But I can just imagine that must have taken forever to figure out. Yeah, we stared at so many fonts for so long. <laughs> so, so long. Yeah. When we were working with Tihan and Lax, there was like seven designers and like nine engineers at the company, I think. Like the ratio was like insane. And 
at the end of every day we'd have all of our designs on a board and there were just so many designs and it was just like holy cow like we can take this product any direction right now because we have seven designers just cranking like completely different ways exploring super crazy different directions which was super fun but there was a lot of like calling needed like what are we trying Did that to do ever feel this? competitive because of that or like no they're okay. they're all canadian they're all fun so, <laughs> yeah. yeah actually what was that like working bringing a an agency in to work with you guys what was that experience it was fantastic so they at that time it was myself um dan petty lee taylor and i believe dave and tina were at medium at the time as full-time designers and we brought in a crew of the tiana lax people with jeff and we embedded them in the company. So they came down to San Francisco and worked with us at the company. And Evan and Jeff go back a long time. So that like relationship was super comfortable. Jeff is very, very senior and very, very experienced. So he like very quickly like knew how to like work best in a culture where there's already designers working there. And it was like their crew is just fantastic. It was like there was no no competition, no weirdness, no like us yeah. versus them any of that kind of stuff we just felt like one big team for a while that's great no yeah. we just met jeff he's an awesome dude and Super he was awesome. yeah it was very clear that he knew exactly what he's doing every time he spoke it's insane yeah that sounds like it's a very rare thing to happen for some reason maybe maybe it's more common I, it's rare i think it's super rare it, a lot of Lightning times you bring, yeah, yeah you bring in like consultants or outside companies and they'll work on something and you're like well oh, that's not really what we're thinking like thanks for doing that or and it tends to be like disconnected for a little bit and then they'll come back with it and you'll be like eh. totally or they'll like imagine having like a champion at a company for some idea it's not being heard consultants come in same say, say the same idea but they're the experts who are being paid a shit ton of money to come in they say the idea and it's like oh yeah that's a great idea like imagine what your staff mm-hmm. would feel like who've been like i've seen that kind of stuff happen it's just not good but i think because we embedded jeff and his team in our team not as like consultants working separately that it went really really seamlessly how does that decision process look like to say we need outside help versus saying like we think we can tackle this as as the designers that are already here? So it's a good question. I think at that time we had more, we had a lot of very, very talented engineers and our product was fuzzy, what it was trying to be and what it wanted to be and what shape it wanted to take. And we just needed more horsepower. And thankfully we were like in a place where we could bring in a consulting firm to help us with that, like really early on in a product, which was really fun. And I don't think a lot of startups can do that kind of stuff, but in in the place we were in, we were able to do that. So it was, I think it was the best, a very good call that we did. It clearly paid off. I mean, <laughs> it, it clearly paid. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> and Lax are like, I think that probably accelerated them in a significant way. Totally. And medium too. It yeah. was like, it was a win-win for both of us. And so how have things changed since they left there's like the redesign last year they designed the first version of medium that shipped and then we redesigned do you remember when the side your profile had like a big sidebar and the mm-hmm. content scroll on the right mm-hmm. that was all done in-house without tn and lax so since then it's been all in-house um since and we've just grown the team more to like support ourselves without having to bring them in and you said the team is now seven designers yes seven designers that's still not that big of a team. It's a pretty good size. I mean, it's a good, we have, I think around 90 employees. So that's a oh, pretty okay. good ratio. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that's, sorry, that's like seven product designers. We have three or four um, 
like visual communication designers, brand designers also working at the company, mm-hmm. but they're not as much touching the product as touching the content. So you're above one in 10. I mean, yep. that's, that's okay. It's yeah. still great. That actually a, is really a large good. company, yep. which I'd say 90 is compared to everyone else here. Yeah. So at what point did you transition from, or maybe I'm, I don't even know. Did you transition from actually shipping pixels and code to managing and hiring and that kind of stuff? Totally. Um, so I, trying to think you wrote a post a little bit ago about shifting back so i'm just right sounds like you you went that direction totally so i went into i I don't know the actual timeline but i went into managing and recruiting and doing that that sort of stuff there i'd say eight months ago ten months ago and i was actually doing it for a stint before that as well but i yeah i'm i'm now going back to working closer to the metal like working on code and working on design again it's just an itch that i continuously like feel like i need to scratch and like when i see when i don't feel like i'm from a place where i can critique let's say like mobile design or android design because i myself haven't done it i i always just need to spend a bit of time like jumping into the trenches and doing that Mm -hmm. or else i don't feel very comfortable and that might be my personality that might be my stance of design but i always feel like i need to know a bit about it before i can feel comfortable like leading a team in that direction I mean, also, first of all, that's awesome that you can admit that you don't know. Um, but it seems like not everyone enjoys the management route. And like, it makes more sense for them to just be doing the actual work. And Totally. And I think it's, I think that's a, I think that's a horrible thing about the way that typical like ladders work at companies that management is a step forward or step up compared to just doing the work. Like it's very, di- it's a different set of skills that should be equally as rewarded and celebrated as someone who's exceptionally yeah. good at visual design. A, a great executor should be considered just as good as a manager, especially totally. a mediocre manager. Exactly. Which in many cases is much better paid. Yeah. And medium, the culture of medium supports like myself stepping into management, stepping out of management, stepping into management and doing that because the company itself is just so like introspective that like the contributions, what's important. Exactly. Right? Like if you just want to work here and you want to do good work, we'll support you in whatever you want to do. That's great. Yeah. Which is very different than Disney. Like Disney, I was in like the software engineering channel and I like had no say in design. Like I couldn't say anything. I had, no one was listening. It's it was a like, pretty state, straight track then. Yeah, it was like, I don't it's even like, know what the... Well, hopefully you can be a Flash development manager exactly. at some point. <laughs> exactly. And there's like, you don't do good work that way. You 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 build waterfall systems because that's how your company is set up. Whereas at modern companies, it doesn't make sense to do it that way. And that's not built for the product. That's built for the management to understand it in exactly. a spreadsheet. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So how are decisions really made now then at Medium? Is it coming from ever is it the team surfaces ideas like i'm trying to like uh publications and some of the image formatting stuff like the way you can have images as a background for certain sections like where do those decisions come from so they come from i can go deep into the way our company is structured through something called holacracy which is like our management internally i am very curious about that actually shut up (laughs) it has it gives a lot um, specific people kind of the power to make decisions like that. So in the case of like, what should the images look like in the back of a publication? We have a lady named Katie who's heading up the publication circle. Inside of that, she has a team of designers and engineers. And she's in very close contact with um, publishers and people using the platform. And they will come up with like, for this quarter, here are some problems we think we need to solve. 
and work with like the designers and the engineers to decide like what the best way to do it is. And then they will like make decisions based on their skill set. So it's not like the CTO can say, I want the background images to be like this, but the designer in that circle can't say anything about it. But because the CTO is higher on like the chain, it's like, if you are the designer in that circle, you get to make those decisions. That's like the accountability we've put on you. And we have that across the whole company. So mm-hmm. it's like everyone is very like encouraged to make decisions and expected to make decisions and run with stuff. And the type of people we've hired were just like people that would not just go crazy and other people that would actually ask for feedback from each other before they just say like, this is what it's going to be like. I can't tell if you're about to ask a question. because Ryan, I, I know you have something to say about this. I have lots of questions. So I think a lot of people and startups and companies are looking to medium because I guess it was Ev that wrote this huge post about like how we manage at medium yep. and it's changing the way a lot of people think about it. It's so like, how did that idea even get started and what's it been like? Yeah. So we took on holacracy when we were like seven or eight people and it was, I honestly don't know where Ev Biz and Goldman first heard of Holacracy. I'm not sure. I just remember one day there's like a consultant in the office talking to them about Holacracy. And we decided to give it a go. And it has stick what stuck with us from like six people to like now 90 people. And it's actually scaled incredibly well. And the kind of like the the test I always thought is like if I started my own company, I'd run it on Holacracy, which is like pretty awesome. I never I didn't take any management principles from other places that were like, I'm gonna do exactly what Disney does at my own company. It's like I would actually use Holacracy. And it just gives people it first off, the like biggest win is it like forces you to have very structured meetings. There's like a facilitator standing up in the room for every single meeting, like being like okay, you're done talking, it's your turn to talk. And like, they're actually like ran that way, which is crazy, but it's nice because it means that like not just the loudest person in the room gets heard. Everyone has a chance to talk, which is awesome. And I think because of that, it's like, let us hire different types of people and given everyone the support to do really good work. Do you even go hire and like explain maybe for someone that doesn't know what is Holacracy? Like, what does that even mean? Totally. So Holacracy is a, it's said to be like an operating system for your company. It's a way of organizing the people who are working at your company. So rather than having like, you know, you have designers and engineers, they report to a design lead or a CTO and they report to VPs and directors, yada, yada, yada. Holacracy lets you organize your company into circles. And those circles are have a purpose so one could be like shipping publications like shipping the best publication features in the planet and you staff that accordingly to the purpose of that circle and circles can be like made and destroyed all the time so like rather than thinking about like at a huge company if you're going to reorg it that's going to be like some huge crazy process and now you're reporting to a new manager and what are you going to do about that and like oh i don't like working with this person but they're in my all that stuff is just gone because you can like really easily move from circle to circle. You can hold multiple roles. So like everyone has a role or multiple roles. So I was actually both a designer and a software engineer at Medium, which is like the first time in my life I've actually been acknowledged to be one or the other or both of them at the same time and not had to choose one. And yeah, I hope that makes sense. It's like confusing to think about, but it makes a ton of sense when you actually use it. And the way they (laughs) talk about it, it's like in organism and it's an op it's like a really confusing way for them to talk about it but really it just means we have a set of guidelines of how to organize our company that we can follow and a toolkit that we can use when we need to make changes pretty much that are very lightweight and very like adaptive to the company sounds like as a 
creator it gives you a lot of flexibility and freedom totally yep how does uh like ev and the other co-founders in the c-suite does that exist even or how do they fit into like the whole decision making process totally so there is still like a hierarchy of circles if you think about it that way so at the very top we have gcc which is well at the very yeah at medium gcc is like general company council and inside of that is like the director levels in ev and then below that is uh, product development, which Ev is the lead link of. So he's in essence, the manage manager of product development. And then we have engineering and design and like probably six or seven other circles in different spectrums. And kind of like the, it's not like we, one misconception is that we don't have managers. We ha- very much have managers. You, you do report to someone, they're called your lead link for each circle you're in. And Ev is like the lead link of like product design and then like the lead link of the company in other words, like the CEO in classical terms. Brian works at Buffer and Buffer has been trying a lot of different uh, organizational structures, it seems. Yeah, we have something a little bit similar. I think the main component we don't have in that is like the idea of a lead link, Yep. which is, it's going interesting. Like we're trying to figure this out. So we... um instead of circles, we call them like task forces. Um, They're a little bit more directed around like a specific project or feature rather than like a focus. Like we wouldn't say like a, uh, a publication circle. We might say like um, a publications publishing task force or something to like make that one part of publications really good. Um, And then same thing, like task forces can be built or destroyed randomly. And like it doesn't, you don't have to reorganize like you're on multiple task forces at any given time. Similar ideas. Yeah, sounds very similar. That's awesome. But we're at 35 people, so like yep. slightly different scale. But uh, Oh, you're bigger than that. Thanks, Bryn. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't meant as an insult. Oh, I was just making a play on what you said. But. No, I just, <laughs> I thought you guys were going flat with like 20 people, and I was like, that's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we're 35. I, well, I think the interesting thing is it's not really flat, right? It's, there's, what we tried to do is like get rid of a formal hierarchy, like a structural hierarchy and have more of like a natural hierarchy that forms around your experience and your expertise and leadership and things like that. Yep. It's, it's a good thing to do. And I think, I don't think like hierarchy is bad at all. Like Dan, our CTO, it's like, I, I am very happy he's our CTO. He's incredibly capable of doing that job and he's incredibly good at it. It would be a shame if he was not doing that. And holacracy just makes it so it's just easy to like move people around and change stuff which is awesome things things like hierarchy can't be innately bad it's only like executed poorly totally and if you have bad people managing you have bad managers right like it's it's a problem he's gonna fail anyway exactly (laughs) yeah no matter what you do yep if your people suck you're gonna suck totally so what else are you um really excited about maybe even in the web in general design in general Design in general, what I'm excited about. Uh, let's see. I'm super excited about the tools that we're seeing now because I think it's no longer like this bag of tricks you needed to know how to like design something for IE6 and Firefox and Safari and all that stuff. And it was just like you were almost good at your job because you understood the box model inside and out. Like that's just going away, which I think is going to enable like a ton of people to start doing this and the yeah. more people doing design and product design like the better the world is going to be because like i get so stoked when i see like young kids building stuff now and like things like kickstarter and like 
the internet, Twitter, all these things that just let things that are good succeed without having to go through like the traditional paths, I think is like the most exciting thing in the world. Like I, I can't wait to see what the high school kids in 10 years are going to be making. It excites me very, very much. Creating yeah. new paths is pretty awesome. Totally. And that's something Medium has been about too. It's like, usually it takes a lot of effort to get a blog up or started. Exactly. And now you can just write one post. You don't have to have a whole blog and it can be, I mean, if it's good, it'll be featured alongside other great people. And that's a whole thing of its own. I mean, exactly. It's amazing. Like that. And like, now you look at like 3d printing, like that's coming to like mm -hmm. the physical world. Like how I kind of, I get so excited to think about the world we're going to live in soon. Like just with all of that being capable. My favorite use is still, um, Jay Leno has a 3D printer where he prints parts for his old cars that he can't get parts for. Yeah. He just, yeah, he just models them and has them printed. He also, have you seen the one where they have a 3D printer? I think it's on the International Space yes. Station. Yeah. And they, they printed them it. a wrench. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the dopest what? thing. They, they needed a wrench for this one thing and they sent them a specification for it and they just printed it on the space station. Yeah. I feel like I was kind of chugging along in the web world and then all of a sudden i woke up one day and 3d printing was just this giant thing but it's actually been around a while but yeah it suddenly, seemed like it came out of like, nowhere you were just up. ignoring it i yeah I, pay attention no one was talking about it right nope. and then like maybe last year 2013 it's like this yeah. is a huge thing now it's a huge thing and they're like not crazy expensive and you can like i saw i was at a hardware place two weeks ago and they had like a fan that was printed in a 3d printer and like it had a housing and a fan that could spin inside of itself printed all like one piece or two pieces that were printed like that and i was like wait what you can print moving stuff like it was crazy what? blew my mind <laughs> that's yeah. so cool super cool do you have any interest in designing uh real physical products i would love to so i I last weekend I actually took an Arduino class just to like oh. do soldering and stuff. I've always been intrigued by the hardware side because yeah. it's like I don't know. I I made it like LED light blink in Java and it like made me so excited to be like, holy <laughs> shit, the lights blinking! It was like, <laughs> yay! Yeah, it was like a set timeout in Java or whatever it was, but it's like it's blinking. I got so excited. That's like the hello world of <laughs> hardware. <engineering>. Literally <laughs> was the hello world. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you were into like cars and motorcycles. Yeah. Did you spend a lot of time working on them growing up? And yeah, that was like my my. I actually almost became like a motorcycle racer as a career. That was really like, yeah. What? I raced motorcycles for like eight years before I got into tech, and then I decided that it made sense to like actually get into tech. And you not, still ride? I don't ride motorcycles anymore. No, no, I ride. Funny enough, I like went from racing motocross for like nine years to like getting pretty into like road biking, which I didn't think would be very fun, but it's actually quite fun. Basically. So. Bicycling, pedal bikes. Disgusting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Bryn is just aching for a motorcycle conversation. <laughs> I worked at a motorcycle shop for like three years. That was like my jam. Dude, I almost went to school for automotive engineering. I really, like sometimes I really miss that side of things. And then I'm like, oh wait, I just do typography stuff. That's pretty great too. <laughs> I don't have to worry about chopping off my finger totally. 60 times a day. Yep. Or permanently having dirty hands, always. Yeah, now we just have soft, soft computer, <laughs> <hands>. <laughs> soft computer <laughs> hands. That's funny. I I used to play guitar, and I like I was just noticing the other day how little callus I have on my left hand now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is sad. <laughs> just a little bit. It's yeah. like I lost the skill, and I have physical proof. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Once again, going back to like now, anyone can 
print stuff from their home computer very soon and young kids can start designing things very easily and prototyping stuff. It's like now also like everyone will feel welcome maybe following computer programming or design as a career because they see that, you know, they have people they look up to that maybe are from the same city as them or the same town or the same race or from the same background as them. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be exciting that we have more people building stuff to make the world a better place. I think we all know that we're bad at it right now, but the fact that we all want to get better or at least it seems like everyone I talk to is like, yeah, let's get more people in here. Yep. And I feel like super excited that the two people I want to hire that are like easy are like the people I I can't help but choose are women. I'm so excited because it seems like it's so hard to find them. And I'm like, oh, they fell into my lap. That's great. Like these are perfect, perfect candidates. Makes me really excited. I, I think we're going somewhere. We're just, struggling to get there yeah it's true and like i always try to remind myself like we're in san francisco right now which is like the craziest bubble not tech bubble but the craziest like liberal bubble i've ever been in where mm-hmm. it's like it's definitely seems definitely liberal. Yeah, things seem so far ahead and like in the right path and then you go somewhere else and you're like oh snap we've had lots and lots of conversations on the show already actually with about uh not only women but also race totally well one of the concerns among people of other races is that diversity seems to be co-opted by people who want just more women in tech right which that is diversity but that's not the end of diversity right that's not the solution is more women in tech the solution is a place where everyone feels comfortable working in tech no matter that's the best way to say it yeah like yeah one thing that keeps coming up is just even having that role model like we're talking with mo woods and he's like just having a a black role model as a designer would be amazing because there's just not that many that are at least vocal and public about the work they're doing. Yep. Totally. How did you guys think about that at at medium as you were growing the company? Was that like part of the hiring process or did it kind of happen naturally? Like we actually did training on like, um, like biases that we have that we don't know. I think it was called like hidden biases. Like we had Mm -hmm. someone come in and talk to us about this. Like these are ways you can identify your personal biases against hiring or not. Ooh, how do you do that? Um, (laughs) Give us the course, please. Yeah. It's, you just always need to remember that like everyone, you are going to have biases no matter what you just need. Like the more you can train yourself to be aware of them, the better you're going to be at like not falling into the trap of them. So and at Medium, like as a design team, I was like, I just tried to hire the best designers. It's like, yeah. I didn't care what your background was, what race you were, what gender you were. It's just like, if you're a good designer, it's like, I'm going to hire you and you're going to come build this beautiful product yeah. with us. It's like, that was always my perspective. And it's just like, that was the path I always took. And it, there, you need to make sure that you're not only recruiting from specific channels or only hiring your buddies. Like you definitely need to make sure that you're looking in as many diverse places as you can for talent and if you're purposely doing that you're gonna have a much better job than just like hiring people that you know were you you said you were also doing recruiting as well right yes so what what do you look for doing outbound recruiting is it how do you even pick someone to talk to that's a great question so it oftentimes depend on the role i was trying to hire someone for or like the need of the company or the design team so i always gravitated towards people that work on um side projects like it's fun to see Mm -hmm. people that are like doing this work outside of their work because it just shows that they're passionate about it i think is huge um as far as like hiring for like aptitude like you can tell i'll just be blunt like the worst is like a very senior designer that's like very stuck in their ways and if 
and the worst is a very junior designer that thinks they know everything. Like those are the two sides of the spectrum that are really bad because if you have a junior designer that comes with a huge ego, they're not going to be like being able to be mentored or taught properly. If you have a very senior person who's just stuck in their ways, it's like, what if those ways aren't the way we work at Medium or the way we design at Medium? It's not going to work. So the best is finding like very junior designers that have very good like fundamental skills that maybe they have gone gone to a good art school or maybe they've never gone to a good art school but they've taught themselves those things or like a very senior designer who's like i just want to do something different and be surrounded by different people and like solve new problems and i'm excited about that Mm -hmm. those are like those are amazing hires if you can find those people it's amazing how little self-awareness designers can have when they go into things like it it feels like we're creative and we're thinking in different ways and everything then you'll go into something and come out and be like oh shit that was all ego. That was just pure ego. That's exactly that what Julia Zoe wrote about today on Medium. Did you see that one? I haven't read that one. She, it was uh, how to stand out in a design Julie interview. Zoe. Julie Zoe. And the two things, oh God, I'm going to butcher this, but one of them was having self-awareness. Like yeah. that was one of her first Did criteria. she write it on Medium? She wrote it on Medium. Her posts are so good. They're yeah, so it was good. just having self-awareness to like, uh, the way she said it was, kind of being comfortable knowing what you're bad at and like totally well also knowing what you're good at but knowing where you can grow and like where you could maybe buddy up with someone and have them mentor you like seek them out right totally i'm i'm like so tired of like the egotistical designer mentality that like a lot of people have or have shown showcased and there is a ton of people that are like absolutely fantastic in the design community. I'm by no means like saying the design community is poor. There is a million fantastic designers yeah. and it's not even designers, but just like anyone that is like super egotistical is like an instant, like I'm not super interested because it's like, you're not going to learn. You're not going to be a good teacher. You're not going to grow into something greater than you are. If you already think you're like all that. So it's like, you got to hire people that can grow and can understand like what they're not good at. Exactly that. And one thing like with them that we do at medium, which is crazy is like, we got pretty deep into like meditation of all things at the company. And there's like optional meditation classes three times a week. And like that just breeds self-awareness and just makes you like a more mindful person and like a better person to be around, which is like something I would like never ever thought I would ever be into. I thought it was for like monks in robes, like meditating, (laughs) but it's like, it's huge. It's It's becoming a huge thing in tech in general, right? Yeah. It's like the best thing ever. It's like absolutely fantastic. And it like, it just changes your perspective on everything and like how you work with, with each other, how you even think about things changes. Okay. On a practical level, if I want to get into meditating, how do I download an iPhone app called calm? I don't know who made it. I should actually look up the person that made it. And it has like five, 10, 15, 20 minute, 30 minute guided meditations and just do it. Okay. And like what sold me is we had a, like a neuroscientist come into the office and show like brain scans of people that meditate and don't meditate and like their brain physically changes. So I was like, okay, there's no like bullshit stuff to this. This is like physically changing your brain to have like more gray matter when you meditate. Like I'm, I'm into that. Have you ever meditated Bryn? (laughs) i feel like you just became a uh habitual meditator well i no no no. i've i've had uh like lots of people at buffer meditate and on our last uh retreat we had like a group meditation session and i, I like fell asleep um, <laughs> yeah which i think that's common. people like explain that that happens yep um there's no wrong way of doing it but the thing is like 
it just keeps coming up over like so many people I talk to are like, this changed my life. This changed my workflow. Um, it brought, removed the stress of that can sometimes come of just staring at a screen. Um, it, it, it's, it's really good. What about you, Brendan? You going to try it? (laughs) I find it unlikely. (laughs) Why? It doesn't seem like the thing, the kind of thing I will, um, just not for you take the time to think about when I have the time to do it. Yeah. It's definitely not like, oh man, I got a spare hour. I'm going to like sit on my floor with some like water sounds and like <laughs> yeah. chill. Right. And like well, get, it, get into it my like own that, head. Man. <laughs> yeah. Like this. Yeah. I'm selling it super well, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely like, it's hard to make it a habit. Yeah. Harder this, this than is many not things. The, uh, the time in my life where I have that kind of spare time and yep. I'm like, oh, I have an hour to spare. I should sit on the floor. Like that sounds great. It's like, no, I, I like got a, a million side projects I've been wanting to start for a while. How about I just do one of those? Yeah, you're always in go mode. But there are people that have My life out, isn't like, a side project I'm super into right now. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you are busy, but I, like, I think there are people that have found good ways to meditate for maybe five minutes a day. Totally. I feel like most people in. take time off to hang out with their family. My family <laughs> joins my side projects. <laughs> <laughs> they need something to do. Yeah. It's great. That's awesome. Um, going back to the self-awareness, I got a tough one for you. Yeah. Uh-oh. A tough one? A tough one. This is going to be a job interview question. I like it. You, you're going to get hired after this, this or This not. is going to sound painfully like a job interview question. I love but it. What are the... So in Julie's... God, yes, I knew it. God, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so in Julie's post, she gives instructions to designers. She's like... okay. List out three things you're good at. List yep. out three things that you know you're bad at. So what are three things that are... No. What's one thing that you feel like you need to work on as a designer? As a designer? This is and how to stand out in a podcast interview. <laughs> I. But you know what? I bet people are going to listen to this and see, you know, there are really talented designers that are still learning. Oh, man. I'm... Yeah. I'm learning. Thank you, Bryn. <laughs> if you hate this, just tweet bomb Brian. <laughs> and if you love it, tweet bomb Bryn. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I have so much to learn. I like, I can't, I couldn't even begin. Like I, there are so many skills that I would love to like grow and get better at. I think one of the biggest ones or the first one that came to mind is just research. I think like, I think a conversation we're going to be having in the future isn't should designers be coding. It's like, should you be able to design without knowing how to do user research? It's like, how are we possibly designing something without like having talked to anyone? We're designing for ourselves. Exactly. It's like, this. (laughs) we're designing for like, exactly other designers we know just enough about user research to be like well i can justify this thing that i want because they said it one time (laughs) exactly like (laughs) it's crazy to me that that is not more like you know you have a design team of like 10 people and you have no researchers it's like how do you not have a photoshop is more fundamental than research it It, seems yes exactly it's like research is huge like especially as like as things are getting easier and easier to build, it is more and more important to build the right thing. And the only way you know to build the right thing is by understanding what you're building and how it's going to affect people's lives and how it's going to make their lives better. And without research, it's like you're swinging in the dark. It doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. So I would love to get much better at research. Okay. Did you get a chance to do any of that at at Medium? So yes, I had. we had just brought in um, a lady named Sasha who is was previously a researcher at youtube and airbnb and she started doing a ton of research she joined i think three months ago and for the last month and a half i've not been in the office so i haven't had a huge chance to work with her but she like 
it was very enlightening seeing the way she talks to people and what she's learned from that. Well, can that still work to have someone else researching and passing the learnings on totally. to I, you? That it, works as well? I think that works, and I think it's also a great way to um, just get your skills right. Like I couldn't, it wouldn't make sense for me to, to stop and go to school for research or do full-time research, but being like learning through osmosis is like fantastic. Yeah. And just seeing like how she, like, how do you look at something not from your own eyes, but from someone else's eyes? Like that's like a huge trait. I think designers can get better at. That seems awesome. So you did take a month and a half off. I did. What'd you do? I did a bunch of fun stuff. I traveled to Ireland with my girlfriend and like 12 other friends from San Francisco for my friend's wedding, which is fantastic. 12 other friends. That's a lot of travel friends. So much fun. It was rad. Uh, I went to LA and like just skateboarded around by myself for like four days, which was super fun. And then went to Palm Springs with my girlfriend and just like enjoyed, enjoyed Palm Springs for Coachella. Uh, the weekend before so wow. missed the circus which was good that's crazy yeah and just like i like had a healthy break it was really nice like rather than like staying up late and drinking i like would work out and like eat healthy for a month and a half it was kind of weird but i like left it feeling like really good i'm very impressed that you haven't even touched these chips <laughs> i've been staring at them yeah i know i'm too full on my salad <laughs> you're three pounds of salad my three pounds of salad i shoved in my face <laughs> We have to do a year in review. What the hell, I, I just made that up. I don't know if podcasts uh, yeah, do come that. Come on, man. Why are you making that? work? Right. Make work. <laughs> I you, could have used that hour <laughs> to meditate. <laughs> you guys don't do week in review podcasts? Well, we've dun, got dun, I- dun. Yeah, we've got ideas <laughs> for other shows. <laughs> I like it. We're working on some cool stuff. Cool. Yeah, it'll be good. Cool, man. Uh, anything you want to plug before we call it a show? Jeez. Uh what what do what have other people plugged i'll thank my parents they're fantastic people thank my girlfriend for being so fantastic to me <laughs> uh, usually it's like well i'm on twitter and yeah. dribble and <laughs> medium and that's it yeah <laughs> he's thanking people you got me to this kitchen <laughs> i'm, I'm putting this water this off this if notebook. it wasn't for all the people in my life i'm on periscope in front of four people right now i'm <laughs> uh, just giving you crap yeah. thank kanye i don't know i don't know i don't know who to plug my coworkers. kanye inspired me to this moment in my life yeah cool well we will uh link to all of your social profiles uh in the show notes and send people your way but dustin senos senos yep. dot com does not work it does not work it's uh why why my, haven't you fixed it i've just been staring at it i was like <laughs> taking holidays i was like i could fix the dns records or i could go skateboard that or, time that you're loading yeah. you're meditating you just don't know it yet. exactly yeah, it's there <laughs> but, like i was i was trying to pull up your site and i was just like man dustin's site is so slow brand's like yep yeah, doesn't work yeah <laughs> yeah no i spin he's like no 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 you're just staring at a screen <laughs> yeah. it's one of those like i designed that four years ago so I'm not super stoked on it Venn anymore. Diagrams, what Venn diagrams. What's all that about? The, my little logo? Yeah. It was meant to be like one circle represented design, one cir- circle represented engineering. And then I was like stuck in the middle of the two. Stuck. I was trapped. <laughs> trapped. Trapped never in the middle of the trapped two. Trapped between the two worlds. Yeah. I like got really beautiful letterpress cards printed mm-hmm. with like painted edges with that logo on yeah, it. Yeah, I saw them. And then I... Uh, moved to America and I'd put my Canadian phone number on them. So <laughs> they're instantly, like, completely useless. I got them like three weeks before I moved. And I was, Have those in your left pocket for people that you don't want to call I should. You. I should just like Jiffy marker out the phone number on these like beautiful. <laughs> what is Jiffy marker? Is that a Canadian thing? Oh, it must be a Canadian thing. 
Jiffy marker? Jiffy marker. Never heard of that. Sharpie? When, Sharpie. Same same thing. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to talk to more Canadians. All right. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Dustin. Cool. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, thanks for coming. That was episode 20. If you guys liked it, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Of course, we always love iTunes ratings. So if you're feeling the show, reach yeah. down. Someone and- gave us a two star. That's our first ever two star. And he didn't even leave a review. First he of or all, she or rude. whatever. Or that robot. <laughs> Second of all, don't leave us two stars. Because that's not true. <laughs> I mean, if you're just rating Brian's performance, it's fine. But come on. Yeah, at least don't drag I Bryn try down. at least. Don't drag Bryn down. Uh, but really, if you enjoy the show, uh, pull out your phone or your computer and rate us five stars. It really does help. Gets us up in the charts. Helps more people discover the show. And it means a lot to us. So thank you. And of course, thank you so much to IconFinder.com for making this episode of Design Details possible. IconFinder is the best resource for icons for any design project you're working on. They have a really, truly wonderful service. Uh an incredible library of icons that are going to work on any project you might be working on, any file format. It's going to work in any application you might design in. Uh, beautiful service. So check them out, iconfinder.com, and use the promo code ROBOT to get 50% off your first month. Thank you to Icon Finder. See you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>